Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, please stick around to the very end of this show because Coach Liz and I have a teaser for a new monthly segment that we're going to do. It's called Miles of Books. I know you're going to enjoy it. So grab a listen at the end of this and then the first episode will air on Friday, February 24th. Welcome to another Mother Runner podcast. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined in studio today by Brittany Williams. Hello, Brittany. Hello, hello. How are you today? Good. How are you? Good. I like that you're wearing your uh, Mother Runner shirt. Thank you very much. Had to represent. You know, I actually got dressed and then I realized, oh, yeah, I'm going to see Brittany. We might be taking a picture. Mm, Took the stuff off. How on brand of you. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So I had an interesting conversation and um, an epiphany that I need to share with you. Do you think I'm too old to learn how to do a cartwheel? Okay. First of all, anytime someone starts off the question with, do you think I'm too old? The answer is 99% of the time, no. (laughs) Now, does someone have the right body structure? Not body like, oh my gosh, I have like my body's bad or good, but just like, you know, there are some people who physically can't do it, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think you could work yourself up to it. Can you do a handstand? I don't know. Uh, and I mean supported. Yes. Uh, I'd have to see. I know I could in the past. Sounds like we need to try. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's so. But then I thought, is it too aggressive right after a bulging disc? Maybe I should give this a little time and, and I could tell you why this came about. Okay. So I'm watching Fleischman is in trouble on Hulu. Okay. It's a good series. And there's just this one scene where Claire Danes and the actor who plays her husband is walking across a field in Central Park and she does a cartwheel. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it just filled me with such joy, stupidly. (laughs) And I thought, and regret regret as well, that I've never, ever in my entire life been able to do a cartwheel. Okay, are you sure you've never been able to do one? I've tried. Or do you think just like in your adult life? No, I definitely tried as a child to do it. Interesting. And but I was not athletic as a child. Okay. I was always very tall. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I was going to say not strong, but I was always I always looked capable. Okay. So anyways, so then when my son John got home last night, I asked him his he opinion. He can definitely do a cartwheel. <laughs> yes, he can. He can do one with, you know, yeah. a, a back he could, spring. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah 100%. So, so I asked him if he thought I was too old and if he thought I could do one. And he started immediately giving me pointers on how to do it and including how he said the key is going to be to stretch my wrists and stretch and strengthen my wrists. And he immediately starts showing me how and he goes, don't do it like this, mommy. He starts exaggerating. He's like, take it very slowly, just really small movements. And I'm like, "Okay." See, I think, yeah, he's not wrong. Uh But I think for you, knowing the type of mover you are, it's going to be. The minute you put that first hand down, (laughs) flinging your entire body weight up and over your head, that first transition, once you get up in the air Uh and then you need to come back down, that's all gravity. That's Uh all momentum, right? Uh Like You're fine at that point. Mm -hmm. But that first up and over, Uh, I can see us practicing that movement for a while. 
Okay, but I think I, you can get there. I am laughing. But I do agree that wrists are part of the... Like, I can't... I also... This is funny. They bring this up. I have a thing with cartwheels. Oh. Because I have, <laughs> I have, I have rheumatoid arthritis yes. in my wrists. <laughs> and so I stopped doing cartwheels mm-hmm. because I physically couldn't. Because I couldn't get my wrist to lay flat on the... Fl- I couldn't get my palm to be flat on the floor when I was... I was, re- I was diagnosed when I was 13. So oh. that's kind of car- prime oh. cartwheel age, you know? <laughs> so I stopped. And now I've been scared this entire time to do it. Mm. So I understand where John's coming from because I also haven't tried a cartwheel because I'm convinced I'm going to get up there and mm. then just my whole arm is going to collapse. Because I can't even... Concern. Yeah, I can't even hold like a main plank. Mm. Like I can, but like it's not perfect form. Mm. Like, I, I know how to hide it because it's my job to be like a fitness trainer and stuff. But like, it, it's not perfect. Mm. But it's such a short period of time. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're going to go frolicking in a field of daisies doing cartwheels. If we're looking to get you just to do one, yes. we can get there. Okay. You know what I'm saying? If you're trying to like do it down the mm-hmm. length of a football field. I don't know if I can get you. I don't know. But I can get you to Super Bowl Sunday here I Yeah, come. exactly. I don't know if you're going to be in the, in the Rihanna, you know, concert. But, okay. but, but maybe a few. Okay. But yeah, wrists and that momentum, I think, is. But I don't think it's an age thing. I don't. I really okay. don't. Okay, because I was laughing as you were saying about that going into that first movement. Because yeah. I was totally picturing when you have me do assisted chin-ups. Yeah. And, yes. and you're like, go, Sarah. Go. No, and, and you're I, like, there's just, I just won't start it. You can see the hamster wheel trying to go in your head. Like you're yeah. trying to get the momentum and the inertia to like get the body to move. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, this is really hard or like whatever. It's just that first inertia movement. Oh, yeah. My palms are sweating as it, you're talking. Literally it, yeah, sweating. Like, yes. Yeah, your heart. Yes. Like heartbeat. Yeah. Because also on those, I'm afraid that I'm going to jump up and catch my chin on that bar. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I'm going to have like a $5,000 dental bill. Which is like... Probably going to be way worse on a cartwheel because then your whole body is going to come down to your face on the ground. (laughs) Just so you know, if you imagine that exact movement, a pull up, you're like just going to hit maybe your teeth and your chin. This is like face plant into the floor. So maybe we got to find some soft flooring to do do it on. Yes. No, I think you can do it. But I do think it takes practice. But I like when people have kind of like. I'll call it a funky goal. Yeah, I was going to call quirky. Yeah, quirky, (laughs) exactly. Like, I think that so many people are, like, so tied up and, like, I want to be able to do a push-up or a pull-up. And I think sometimes there's beauty in just moving the way that our body, like, thinks is fun and the fact that you find, like, the fact that you saw someone do cartwheel and it lit something up on the inside of you mm-hmm. like that makes me like smile but yeah. like that to me is like why i became a fitness trainer is because yeah. like it's supposed to be fun right. like i know that people walk into their workouts or their runs and they're like oh this is miserable mm-hmm. but like if you can find those little things that make you right. excited to do it that makes it so much more enjoyable so and then uh, hearing you say that about the the joy and the kind of quirky john said as i was asking he goes mom that'd be such a great party trick <laughs> Okay. Okay. Now you're, and now the expectation. Now I said that I think you can do one. Do I think you can do one consistently enough that you're throwing it out indoors at a party with breakable items? I, this is not what I signed myself up for. I just want to make sure that's on the record. Okay. That when I said I could get Sarah to a cartwheel, I meant like at the gym in a wide open okay. space. Okay, don't be doing a, this in people's a houses. And a don't, people, don't, don't be doing this. Well, people run. Make sure they sign waivers first. <laughs> so and then, then John was like, "Well, mom, how many other moms do you think could do it?" And then he thought of one of his friends, actually, who used to work at the refinery, Katie mm-hmm. Serbrook, yeah. who's she's super petite and yep. very powerful. She yes. looks like she used to be a gymnast. Yes. He's like, "Yeah, I bet she can do car wheels. I'm like, "John, Katie can probably yeah, do car wheels yeah. all day long." I think most people can. Oh, I just don't. I just think that like. Because it's what, again, it's really just the wrist strength, getting yourself up and over. But, like, holding a handstand is way harder. Oh, I mean, because you have to physically hold still. I'm Mm -hmm. talking unassisted, just your hands Mm -hmm. are up. The cartwheel, you just got to get up there and then let gravity do the work. It might not be pretty. Mm -hmm. The whip arounds might be hard now that I think about it. You got to land. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a tough one. I haven't done a cartwheel in a long time. Okay. I also think the idea of, like, it being a beautiful cartwheel is probably out of the window. <laughs> oh, I'm that. That's no, 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 no. I just just it doesn't. It's not passable. Be... How about a passable yeah. cartwheel? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, all right, okay. So that's that's hilarious. That's what I was saving for you, and I'm like, oh, we we're need gonna to have you walk doing planks up a wall on Thursday. <laughs> I've already written what you're doing on Thursday, but I'm gonna rewrite. I'm gonna add that in somewhere. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. All right. Well, you did say 99% of things when people say they're, you know, they're too old. I do have one thing that I would be too old for, which is, but I know for a fact you're not, which is to have a baby. Yep. Yes. There, yeah. That's what that, that does. There is an age at which that stops. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. There's so, 1% for that. So, uh, you know, I said that you're in the studio. Well, there's also someone else in the studio. There are three of us here. There are three of us. And, and I'm not Augie. talking about Augie. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So, you are here today. We're going to have a candid, revealing conversation with you mm-hmm. who is due with her first baby in May. Yes, May 26th. So exciting. Oh, so late May. Okay. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Unfortunately. Oh. All right. We're hoping oh. not only just because it's like, oh, May. But it's like, I got to wait the whole month. <laughs> not because there's anything wrong with late May. It's like, <laughs> it's just when you say May, when you're doing yeah, oh, May, yeah, it's yes. like, I really should be saying June. Yeah, yeah. So probably not in time to have an official Mother's Day, maybe. Maybe. I did the math, though, mm-hmm. to see. It's right after the, because what's 37 weeks is kind of considered like. Full term. You know, full term. Yeah. It's right before that. Oh, OK. So it's like, ah, you don't want to wish for it because you don't yeah. want to wish for a preterm baby, obviously. Correct. Yes. But there is part of my that's kind of cool. But then also part of me is like, I'm an only child and I'm like, I don't want to share my birthday with or, or her. Sorry, I don't want to share my mother's day with her birthday. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't want to spend my mother's day at her birthday party for the first 12 years. Let's get that laid no, out right there. Hold on. We're going to celebrate me first and then your birthday will come in a couple weeks. So there's also part of me who's thinking for the actual this first year, maybe second year, it would be really cute to have them on the same day. Mm-hmm. But then, like, years four through 18, I'd be like, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's just the honest, I know, the exactly. honest truth, yes, which, which is, you will always get from me. Yes, yes. So that reveals how candid this conversation is <laughs> yes, going to be. It will yes, be. yes. Yeah. So, so you were the one who had the idea for this episode. Yeah. So tell us how it came to you, what you hope maybe folks will take away from this episode, you know, no matter their age or their fitness. So this is yeah. not just an episode for, for folks who are pregnant. Totally. Yeah. So I have my own podcast as well called Filter Free Friday. And the whole idea, filter free, not necessarily meaning unfiltered and conversation, not candidness, but more so unfiltered. It started off, I was on Instagram and I'd go live every week and wouldn't wear any makeup. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that the world feels so perfect to put together. And I just wanted to be real, raw, open. Here I am, wake up out of bed, hair's a mess, booger in my nose. This is what I look like sort of ordeal. And it evolved. And I still try to take that approach with the podcast now. And I feel like a lot of our conversations, you and I, have that same vibe. Just we're showing up how we are. We might say something inappropriate or raw or real. And we know that the other person's not going to judge us for yeah, us or it's yeah. going to give us those looks like, girl, you just said that, but still not really judge, right, you know? Right. And so I was like, I, I wanted to capture that with someone that I think, you know, your audience, obviously being mainly mothers, can certainly relate to you know, just the experience and the candidness that is pregnancy that I think a lot of people, I think with social media, it's becoming more and more common to share. Mm-hmm. But like there is this like closed door, like things that happen. And I'm like, whoa, no one, everyone tells you take ginger pills for the nausea. But no one told me that like, you know, my boobs were going to swell up to, you know, the size of watermelons as well as my belly. You know what I mean? Like there's just certain things that people don't tell you. Yeah. And I was like, man, I want to have this conversation on the podcast, but I also think it'd be great for Sarah's podcast. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. how about we just do a joint podcast yep. uh, and air it on both podcasts? I think both communities can um, appreciate, I think, just some of the openness. And it's not necessarily just about being a mom. I think it's about being comfortable with your body, learning yeah. as your body changes, yeah. as you get older, mm-hmm. as you go. And I, you can be getting older, meaning going from 20 to 30. I don't necessarily mean, mm-hmm. you know, getting older, older, older. Yeah, getting older. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I think that just coming to terms with the fact that we are all human, with the fact that we do all go through changes and that we're allowed to laugh at ourselves and not take ourselves so seriously is something that I think that everyone should hear more often. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just happen to be having a lot of those moments in pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it applies to everybody. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And, and, uh, 
I think we agreed that I, on occasion, could jump into my Wayback Machine and chime in a couple yeah. anecdotes that I remember. Yeah, even though my older daughter just turned 21 earlier this month. Amazing. And uh, my boy-girl twins are seniors in high school now. So, all right, let's jump straight into oversharing, Brittany. I'm here for it. Yes. I know you didn't get pregnant on your first try. No, I didn't, but it didn't take too long, Okay, good. Um, which is good. So I've been on the pill for, or had been, obviously not now, uh, <laughs> for, for 15 years. Uh-huh. Uh, so very much, um, it, it kind of was weird going into it because I think we've gone from this world of every, you just think getting pregnant is going to happen to you like you're so scared of it. Like I think there's yes. a lot of culture in the early 2000s, 90s and prior of like if you look at a boy too hard, <laughs> you might get pregnant. And now we've flipped to where we're trying to give more voices to women who have had fertility issues, which mm-hmm. I love. Mm-hmm. But now it's almost gone to the extreme to where I think a lot of women my age and I'm 34 for anyone listening for reference are scared. They're convinced they're going to have fertility issues because it's uh-huh. so commonly talked about. And uh-huh. now that we've opened the doors to all of the different ways that you can have trouble getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. So everyone I know who is trying to get pregnant, every woman I have talked to that is Mm -hmm. my age has said, I'm convinced I have fertility issues. And I'm like, I was the exact same way, Mm -hmm. convinced that this was going to take me years. And I already, I had to delay my wedding because of COVID. So I already kind of feel like my timeline that I've like, and I know that you can't follow a timeline, but there was a timeline in my head. Mm -hmm. It was already a year late. So Mm -hmm. the concept of having to like find out that I had a fertility issue was really scary to me. Yeah. So I got off the pill in June Mm -hmm. and then it took us three months until we found out we were pregnant. And I still like peed on the stick, did the whole thing and was still like, nope. Like, this is wrong. Like, even like at the doctor's office, I was like, are you sure that tiny little dot is a baby? That's not just a speck. There's maybe not just some dust up in that uterus or something. Like, you're sure that's... Because I was so convinced that just some... And again, that maybe that was my own anxiety, my own fear. But it didn't take us too long. So yeah. I think three months, the grand scheme of things, my doctor was pleased considering I had been on the pill for so long. Right, right. It can take the body a little while to... um adapts back to normal mm-hmm. and well, from what I do remember about my periods prior to my pill uh, <laughs> which is a long time ago uh, they were very long so uh, oh. the time in between my periods and the period themselves, so I would have my period for about two weeks, 10 no. days to 14 weeks. Yeah, it was really bad. But then I would only, I would go like 70, 80, 90 days in between. Oh my them. gosh. Long distance runners, probably wasn't eating enough, probably was all of the kind of things that like run into, I can't think of what it's called right now when someone doesn't, um, doesn't right. get their period. There's a, a name for it. Thank you. So it, I think it was a very much a version of that. So oh. I would get it. But when it came, it was like... So you'd maybe have it like four, you'd have it almost every quarter type thing? Yeah, exactly. Yep. So I didn't really know what natural was for me because I've been on a pill for so long. But I, each month that I did have a period in that three little months that I had them, Mm -hmm. they were getting longer and longer. So I, or the, not the periods, the time in between, the uh cycle itself. So I was like nervous that I'm like, this is going to get really hard to track. Yes. One and two my chances of getting pregnant are going to go down because now I'm going to start going months in between right, ovulation exactly. cycles yes. versus multiple months instead of one. So I was very thankful that like mm. on the fourth one that we got, because I was like, I'm not like, I can see this slowly yeah. creeping back yeah. out. And I doubt that I would have gotten back to where I was as a mm-hmm. teenager, but hope, I mean, yeah, hopefully yeah. Wow. I'll find out. But wow. yeah, so it, it wow. was, it was easy. Well, it wasn't easy. It was honestly one of the hardest things I've ever done. Like, I, I think everyone's like, oh, yeah, you just have a bunch of sex and it's great. Mm-hmm. And I've never had that much pressure filled sex in my life. But, you know, like I just it took all of the fun out of it yeah. Yeah. when there's a goal at the end and you're just worried about like just timing and am I ovulating and just like just everything being yeah. right. I think just both my husband and I very much felt a pressure. And he even said he's like, this just feels like I think women maybe. I don't want to say we're used to pressure, but like with anything related to our bodies, getting Mm -hmm. pregnant, our periods, I think we're much more, we're much more used to uncertainty. I think men aren't, they're just going into sex, going into it. And so I think that he very much was like, yeah, I definitely feel pressure for the first time. 
But yeah, so luckily we didn't have to, because yeah. I, I honestly hated trying to conceive. Like, it was not like a, oh, yay. <laughs> like, I, I, I was like, oh, gosh, we got to do this again for another month. Oh, As much as I love my husband, <laughs> it was nothing personal. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So oh, my gosh. It, it, was, yeah. it was a, luckily, knock on wood, we didn't have any problems trying to conceive, but mentally it was very difficult. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. My husband, Jack, and I had secondary infertility. Mm-hmm. And then the whole, you know, oh, I don't want to go to the bathroom when I'm expecting my period because I don't want to, like, see that it's started. Yeah. You don't want to know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's mentally. And even now being pregnant, going to the bathroom mm-hmm. is not a positive experience. And I go to the bathroom a lot now. <laughs> but, like, I had a lot of anxiety. I mean, ex- a mm. lot of anxiety the first month. Uh, sorry, first trimester. Wait, not the first way longer than the first month, the first mm-hmm, trimester. Mm-hmm. And I was spotting a lot and oh, bleeding yeah. a lot. Mm. And so going to the bathroom, and it's funny now, I'm not bleeding now, I'm not spotting now. She's mm-hmm. kicking, everything's like normal. I've had all the scans, everything's good. But I still look at my, I still swipe and look at it every every yeah, time. Yeah. It'll be in the middle of the night. Can't even see, it's dark. <laughs> Can't even see anything. And I'm like, yeah, it looks clean. Oh god, Because it's just like, it mm. just... I, you're just convinced that something wrong is going to happen. So I can imagine, you know, yeah. if you've got fertility issues, that that starts way earlier on because you're just like, well, it also waiting. it reminds me that we only have the here and now. Mm-hmm. So that okay, well, I was pregnant the last time I went to the bathroom, but has something changed? Right. In yes. Between? And yes. Just that. Yeah, that's not a. It's not a good feeling. Yeah. It's not, and I think that. It you certainly you you get over it. I think well, it's not that you get over it. I think you come to terms with the new reality. Yes, that you're you become living. inured to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think the thing, and I and I said this on my podcast previously, but I think it's worth repeating, is that I very much understand that this worry that I have now is an innate part of motherhood and mm. part of it is never going to go away. Yeah. So if Welcome in the first trimester yeah. the worry was, OMG, I'm bleeding. Mm-hmm. every time I'm peeing. The second trimester, maybe it's, is she kicking enough? Is she developing fast enough? I do have mm-hmm. some issues with my umbilical cords. So there is like a, I got to be careful with her growth and sort of stuff. Third trimester, it's going to be probably more around delivery, making yeah. sure that process goes okay. Yeah. Fourth trimester, it becomes sleep. Is she eating enough? Yeah. And then that just, you can think of all the different things that as mothers we worry about. Up until, oh, I don't know, death. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just this level of worry that now I feel like someone put it like a cassette tape in the player. And it's like, this now lives here. Like, this just this just is here. It's a new puzzle piece that is just in me. Uh-huh. And while I don't think that the level of worry, the level of anxiety I had in the first trimester... That's an unhealthy level, and mm-hmm. I don't think that, that hopefully will stick around that yeah, level no, for no, forever. No. Yeah. I do think there is a level of inherent worry that's just motherhood, of and course. I think some that is part of the process, just learning how to live your life with this level. Like I totally am like, yep, I understand why my mom waited for me to get up, get back from curfew. She still sometimes. I'm 34. When I'm like home for Christmas break, she'll sometimes still wait up for me. Wow. I'm like, mom, I'm 34. Like, you know that, like, I live a whole life when I'm not here visiting you, right? Like, or I'll, like, be on the phone with her when I'm, like, driving somewhere, you know, the long word trip. And she'll call me when you get there. Make sure you get there safe. Oh, my goodness. And I'm like, Mom, I drive all over the place. I fly to different countries, and I don't tell you. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So I think that that kind of worry, I realize, I see it now. It's yeah. not, not going to completely go away, but it'll morph. Yeah. Well, and also, once you can see the baby, once the baby's out in the world, mm-hmm. it's once there's that tangible thing mm-hmm. it, that you get so much joy back that yes. it, um, yeah. you know, eases out the, mm-hmm. the anxiety, mm-hmm. you know, kind of pushes sure. it aside a little bit. For sure. Right now there's just so much unknown. Unknown. Yeah. 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 Right. So, all right. Well, you do find out some things from, we both wear aura rings mm-hmm. and yep. to track our movement, our sleep, the whole bit. So you told me that aura can't be programmed to realize that the wearer is pregnant. <laughs> yep. And, uh, so like, what are some of the stats that were kind of maybe a bit sideways? Yeah. So the aura ring is excellent. I have used it a little over a year. So way before trying to conceive or anything. And so I definitely have a good baseline, but it is funny because it knows you, right? Mm-hmm. And it knows your heart rate. It knows your activity levels. Uh, and 
And so it's been really interesting, actually, while I was trying to conceive and I was during that high anxiety time, Mm -hmm. that was actually when things were the craziest. Wow. Because I wasn't sleeping very well because Mm -hmm. I was doing my basal temperature every morning, like old school with the thermometer. And, (laughs) you know, you read all the books and they're like, you know, make sure you've been asleep for at least, I don't know, it's like two to three hours straight uh, before you do it. Now, someone who has sleeping problems, the concept of sleeping three hours straight is like a foreign entity to me. So I would wake up at like 2 a.m. and be like, okay, well, I know my alarm goes off at 4, so I'm going to take it now. Oh, geez. So I was constantly all over the place trying. I just had so much anxiety about the stupid temperature. And so my sleep was horrendous. And then I'd go to sleep thinking about it. So that was the first thing that actually got worse when I was trying to conceive was like my, I could just tell that my consistency of sleep was really bad. Uh My restlessness was really high. Um, But the actual attributes about my body, my heart rate, my heart rate variability, all of that was about the same. Once I actually became pregnant, my resting heart rate has drastically increased. So I Mm. averaged about uh, low to mid 40s prior to getting pregnant. And now I'm in the mid to high 50s. So, I mean, that's a pretty drastic change. Mm -hmm. And then something called heart rate variability, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's um, if you can imagine variability, meaning how the difference between how high and how low your heart rate can Mm -hmm. get, uh, having a high heart rate variability is good. Mm -hmm. So, for example, someone like me who is generally fit, I can handle a really high heart rate. Mm -hmm. It's something that I can naturally do, but then my body can recover itself really quickly and overnight get a really low resting heart rate. So that's kind Mm -hmm. of you want to be able to get high and get low. Mm -hmm and recover between them quickly. Uh, that has not happened because oh. you figure the two numbers have come down. So my mm-hmm. resting has come up. Yes. My highest heart rate has come down. Yeah. So that certainly has changed. One of the funniest things that's changed is that I've been super lazy Mm-hmm. Like, just haven't really wanted to do anything. And so it's constantly telling me, like, <laughs> you haven't been moving around as much. Like, maybe you should take a walk. Like, it's like, and it does it in the nicest way possible. But it is the funniest thing where I'm just like, I wish I could just tell it. I'm going to be lazy for the next nine months. I need you to cheer me on for every workout because every workout that I get in is a win these days. But so that part has been interesting of just like getting it to like learn my new behavior. Yes. But so I'm, I'll be six months, I'll start the six month next week. Okay. So I think it's by now it's kind of has gotten, I don't get as many of those like notifications <laughs> Something's anymore. Something's up here. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you used to think I was sick. Like it would be like, maybe you should rest more. Maybe you should take a day off. And now I think it knows that like, uh, you can, that you can, uh, it knows uh, back yeah, that, yeah. It knows that this is normal, but what is really cool. And they actually introduced this, uh, prior to me doing, it was literally like I got pregnant and then they introduced this new feature. You can now use your aura ring when trying to, trying to oh, conceive. Look at that. So it, 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 it talks to another app called Nature's Natural Something. I can't remember mm-hmm. what the other app is called, mm-hmm. but it will take your temperature oh, for you. Oh, look at you. that. Look at that. And I'm that like, is... what the hell? I'm already paying for the service. I'm doing all of the things. And then like, <laughs> and then right at the last, so maybe with the next kid, if there yes. is one, yes. I'll use it then. Cause then like you can just, it'll naturally do right, it. Right. Exactly. But yeah. So it has been funny that it has definitely been like something is up, but the, the answer was pretty really, it was really cool. Yeah. Uh, what I'm most excited about. Oh, and then the other thing is I'm sleeping like, a baby, no pun intended, even though babies are awful sleepers. So I don't know why we say that. Uh, so I also have increased my sleep. My REM Ooh. sleep has oh. been, I think if anyone here has been pregnant before, they know that dreams get crazy. Oh, I love so it's been cool. Pregnancy. Yeah. It's been dreams cool to pregnancy. see how my actual REM sleep uh-huh. time is increasing. Uh, my movement is increasing. So uh, while I'm sleeping like a log, like mm. I, I, I don't know what I've done. Mm. I think it was probably the 33 years of bad sleep that led up to this <laughs> one year of good sleep, but I'm sleeping super well pregnant. Awesome. But it, I am moving a lot, which I don't feel, mm-hmm. but I see it because it'll track, it'll show yes. you every time you move. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's just because I'm getting bigger. I'm uncomfortable. I'm trying not to sleep on my back, but uh-huh. consciously I wouldn't know it. Like, wow. it tells me that I'm moving yes. more. Yes. But like, I'm out like a light these days. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So how much did you exercise during your first trimester? And is your, like, what guidance did your doctor give? Yeah. So, um, my doctor very much gave, well, it's funny. We don't actually talk about it too much because I am pre postnatal certified as a fitness trainer. Okay. So I'm not gonna say that I know more than she does, but like <laughs> when it comes to specifics, yeah. I probably do know more than she yeah, does. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to get my, I love my doctor. I'm not saying that she's not 
capable and qualified. But really, I think the biggest things for her were in the first trimester, my comfort level. Mm. Um, it really, and that's honestly the same advice that I give women is that I think women think, oh my God, I'm pregnant. I'm four weeks pregnant, five weeks, six weeks, whenever you find out I need to be uh, laying horizontal for the next nine months. Like every <laughs> single thing, there's actually not that much change that you need to make in the first trimester. Mm-hmm. It's more about, I think, learning to listen to your body. Mm-hmm. So slowing down. Not because going fast is going to hurt you, Mm -hmm. but because you may need more rest. You may need more water. You may need to just slow things in so your body isn't taking on such this shock of like activity. Mm -hmm. But it's not this like, oh, here are 10 exercises you need to avoid in the first trimester. Mm -hmm. As you go into the second trimester, as your body actually starts to get bigger, your abs do start to separate and your Mm -hmm. abdominal wall is starting to take on a lot of pressure. That's where... You start, you need to start making some changes. Mm-hmm. For me, the big changes that I made, I cut out crunching. So if you imagine laying on your back and physically crunching, mm-hmm. I did cut that out in the first trimester. Okay. Only because I am deathly afraid of getting abs, of getting bad abs separation. Mm-hmm. And I do crunch a lot. So like as a fitness trainer, I am working out all the time. Mm -hmm. So I just felt like I think I would tell the normal person, sure, you can continue to do this. But for someone who's constantly doing it, Mm -hmm. I think that coming down with the amount that I was doing it uh, was really important for me personally. Okay, Laying on your back as you go into the end of your second trimester is important. Um, And really anything where uh, coning is really what we want to avoid in the abs. So it's where you start your abs start to tent. If you imagine kind of the line, and a lot of women will have that straight line Mm -hmm. across, what you don't want is it to start to look like almost more of a triangle. And that that what that shows when that happens is that there's more pressure on the front side of your abs mm-hmm. versus your full, your low back, your core, your obliques mm-hmm. kind of all taking on that work. You've put all that pressure right on the front of your abs. Mm-hmm. And that's what causes to start that ab separation. Oh. Ab separation is going to happen no matter what. That, mm-hmm. that hap- I mean, 99% of women healthy or not healthy, mm-hmm. fit or not fit are going to have ab separation. Mm-hmm. It's just the degree at which you're going to have ab separation. Mm-hmm. So really it is individual. There isn't one exercise that is bad for pregnancy Mm -hmm. it's there are exercises that you as an individual can no longer maintain the pressure in your intra-abdominal wall and Mm -hmm. those exercises are going to be bad for you Mm. so we can give you as a trainer i can give you a list of the most common exercises that tend to cause that pressure in women Mm-hmm. but they may not cause it for you. Mm. So for me, for example, I can start to see a little bit of coning when I go into a plank position. Oh, So I've stopped doing planks. Mm-hmm. But there are women who do planks up until the day they have pregnancy and they're totally, or they, 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 the day they deliver and mm-hmm. they're totally fine. Mm-hmm. So for me, the big ones were uh, changing core work. I also have been having a lot of pelvic pain oh, and okay. that happened very early on. I'm oh. actually, ironically, right after this, going to see a pelvic floor physical therapist, Excellent. which I highly recommend everyone do yes. during pregnancy. I think it's being more common for people to doing it afterwards, but yes. I have a lot of pain in my pelvis. Mm. Running is pretty much off the table these days unfortunately which we can talk about in a second but it happens a lot to me uh in single leg exercises so things like reverse lunges Mm -hmm. things like if i'm doing a deadlift when i have one leg in the air anything Mm -hmm. where one weight is shifted to just one leg Mm -hmm. so i've had to make a lot that's where the biggest adjustment's been for me other than Mm -hmm. omitting running Mm -hmm. is keeping two feet on the ground at all times. I know that sounds (laughs) silly, right? But if you actually think about a strength training exercise, a lunge is one of the most basic movements we do. So I'm doing more things like squats, deadlifts, things where both feet are planted. I'm stable Mm -hmm. and the pelvis can stay stable. Anything Mm -hmm. where I'm having to shift weight Mm -hmm. and kind of transfer my weight side to side, uh, my pelvis just gives me every sign that this isn't something comfortable. So that's Mm -hmm. why me, I'm currently 22 weeks, so probably a little early to go to a pelvic floor therapist, but I think that with uh, the amount of pain that I'm having in these movements Mm -hmm. and the importance of movement in my life and my job. I'm paid to move. So like I can't lose this. Uh, It's kind of how I make my living uh, to take care of said child. So that is something that I like, nope, I need to go sooner rather than later. And even, Mm. even as someone who is qualified to know the things I need to be doing, you can always have someone who is 
someone who's specially all yes. they do is work on the pelvic floor mm-hmm. uh, and the pelvis and how the hips and the core all kind of interrelate mm-hmm. i think is really that's probably the number one piece of advice fitness advice i could give to anyone any woman who is pregnant like people come to me all the time what exercises should i omit and i'm like you need to just go just go see a pelvic floor physical therapist I can give you, I can give you the exercises, but mm-hmm. I would much rather you go and actually learn about your pelvis and how it's going to respond than mm-hmm. some generic list of like, here are 10 things you need yeah. to avoid. Yeah. Are you hoping that maybe also it'll, it'll help you sidestep having uh, leakage, the dreaded leakage yes. Yes. after and you have this the baby? This is a big one. I would say if I have a soapbox that I have stood on about <laughs> like postpartum and post, you know, part of life even before I was pregnant and I could never really scream it from the rooftops because no postpartum woman wants to hear a woman who doesn't have a kid telling them (laughs) about their body (laughs) do you know what I'm saying but I've done it I've done it and and, but now I'm kind of excited like all right I'll be able to scream it from the rooftops and say yes I have a kid too but leaking when you sneeze jump Mm -hmm. run all of those things is common Mm-hmm. but it is not normal function. Mm-hmm. And just because your friend Sally also has it mm-hmm. and your running partner Katie and your mm-hmm. mom had it doesn't mean you should just sit there yep. and take it and just Amen. be like, okay, this is my new normal. Yep. That is a sign that you have dysfunction in your body. Yes. And the same way when you fall and you dislocate your shoulder, you're like, huh, this is painful. I should probably go to the doctor and take care of this. Yes. Leaking is the same. Just because it happens, we, everyone gets the cold, but we all go to the doctor. Just because yeah. it's common doesn't mean you just get to sit yes. there and deal with it. I... And it's one of the most important things that as women, I think that they see these things. And I'm so glad we as women are talking about them. I'm mm-hmm. glad that people can feel liberated and yes i pee when i sneeze and that's okay Mm -hmm. but the conversation doesn't end there you have to do something about it precisely because it can be fixed there are things you can do without surgery without spending a ton of money to get your body to function better that's going to help you if you get pregnant again it's going to help you move it's going to help you be able to do cartwheels later (laughs) on in life like you're going to be able to move better longer and your body's going to be able to function the way that it wants to if you take care of it you can't just say well i had a baby this is what it is now yeah i i amen to all of that because when we started another mother runner i was shocked by the number of women that we met who said that they have leakage and not just a little couple drops here and there but like actual like make it so if you're wearing lighter capris you can see it right other people, everybody right. can see it. Yes. And that it is just that there are treatments mm-hmm. and sometimes it is just it's not a few, hard either. It's not hard. It is, you know, for some people that might be a little um, intimate or TMI or, you know, it's not like going to get your teeth cleaned. Yeah. Let's say that. Yeah. So that it sometimes doesn't take very many visits. No. So be and it's life you can, is long. And it's something and you, you can do at home too. It's yes. not something that like you it's not like going into the doctor and getting a gynecologist and having to strip down and someone actually like working on you. Yes. It's more about the core. It's more, I would say, targeted ab exercises that you're gonna do. And they're gonna be different types of ab exercises. It's not just sitting there doing Kegels all day. Yeah, no. Like there is a, a rhyme and a reason to it, and I think that most people would be surprised that it can get better. Yeah. And, and even, even yes, there are people who have a big problem. But even just a few drops, mm-hmm. like, that can be fixed, too. Like, don't yes. think, like, oh, it's just a couple times. It just happens a couple mm-hmm. times a week. That's still worthy right. of the visit to the doctor. Right. And also, and that they, they have tools that, you know, you get your own personal one. It's like a little mm-hmm. kind of weight. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I mean, I still have it in my underwear drawer upstairs. I'm, I'm not I, sure sorry. what I might think I'll <laughs> use it for. I thought you said I still have my underwear. I'm doing my exercises <laughs> yeah, no. right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I was no. like, wow, Sarah. Talking about <laughs> I'm underwear. committed. I'm like, you're, well, yeah, I think you're okay. <laughs> your kids are old enough. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. you're good. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, in your underwear drawer. Yeah, that's, yes, correct. Yes. Yeah, there is, there is, it, it's it's safe. It is effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is, like, again, a, a YouTube your point of personal experience yes 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 all right well it's time for a brief break to hear from the folks who help bring you this show stay with us all right Brittany. you mentioned earlier that running is off the table that was news to me yes mm-hmm. when did it's, that happen and it's not okay it's off the table i keep saying that it's not <laughs> not off the table but like it is uh so it's 
funny. I started having pelvic pain kind of from the beginning. Mm. So I would say I found out I was pregnant when I was six weeks. So I'm going to say I probably started getting a little bit of pelvic pain at like eight weeks. Mm. But it was kind of like I just got sore. Mm. So it wasn't like it was actually painful to run itself. Mm. I would go run normal eight miles, nine miles, ten miles. And then I just would be sore in my Mm. pelvis the next day. Mm -hmm. But it would go away. Just Mm -hmm. kind of like, oh, I lifted some heavy weights and I'm sore. And then when I went to Australia, which was my 10 and 11 weeks, uh, I was running every day there mm. and and working out every day. So, like, I don't know if I was just high on endorphins <laughs> from being in Australia. But, like, looking back, I'm like, wait, I was fine then. But after that, once I got back, it just started to become where that's when I started to feel that unilateral pain, the single-sided mm. pain. That's when it felt weird. I was finding my stride was changing. And I was finding that, like, I was taking my normal stride and I was constantly, consciously or unconsciously, having to, like, shift my stride just a little bit to be comfortable. Mm. And those are the kind of signs that I tell women that they need to think about Mm. is, like, listen to your body doesn't necessarily mean, oh, this is painful, so I need to stop. Sometimes it's as simple as, man, I'm running kind of wonky. Mm. It's not painful. Mm -hmm. It's just... This is not my normal stride. This is not my normal gait. I'm a little choppy or my feet feel heavy or sound heavier than they yes. usually. Just those little tiny cues. And I kept running. But then eventually, and I would say probably around 15, 16, 17 weeks was when actual running became painful. Like then the pain wasn't just the day after. It was at, the actual act of running now is painful. So I'm still running, but I would say my workouts aren't runs. I'm not going to say, okay, I'm going to get up and go run for five miles today. Mm-hmm. I might do strength training or bar or, or prenatal core workout, and then I'll go walk and run for a mile. Mm-hmm. You okay. know, run for a little bit, walk for a little bit, run for a little yep. bit, walk for a little bit. But like it by itself is never the sole workout. Okay. Um, and when I tell you that was devastating for me to kind of mm-hmm. have to make that conversation or make that decision, it just as a competitive runner you just have envisioned yourself and as a woman i closed my eyes and envisioned myself as superwoman that i would just be out there at 39 weeks with my belly popped and i'm just out there shuffling along still passing people on the trails being like look at me i'm superwoman so to have that just be a oh this is for sure gonna happen and then to get, I mean, to start feeling pain at eight weeks, I mean, yeah. that's way earlier than I expect. I barely knew I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. It just was a really big, like, light bulb moment of this is bigger than me and my expectations <laughs> of myself. Uh, I am not invincible. But I also think I got to take, like, nine months is a drop in a bucket, right? Yes. Like, okay. So you're not going to run for nine months, but if that means, or run the way that I want to, but if that means that I can maintain my pelvic floor function so that I can run for the next, let's say I live for another 40 something years. Awesome. You're going to live for longer than 40 years. Well, yeah, Yeah. I was giving myself some, I'm trying to be nice. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But that is the thing to remember that while you're in it, pregnancy seems unending. Mm-hmm. That, that I mean, because you are just past the halfway point, yeah. and it, it that is mile fifteen of the marathon. Yes. That you're like, I'm yes. nowhere near the start. I'm also nowhere near the and, finish line. And the hard part is coming. Yes, yes, that's it is. and like it's funny now because I kind of feel like I'm in a bit of a group. Like I'm in that like, oh yeah, like every week I'm like, yeah, another week, checking it off. It's gonna be good. And then I looked up the other day when I'm gonna hit the first week of my third trimester, which is ironically all my husband's birthday, which is February 23rd. And I was just like, oh my God, February 23rd. And then I have March, all of March and all of April and all of most of May. (laughs) I was like, okay. Let me reel back this like, oh, this is just going so swimmingly. (laughs) Yeah, I would say the first trimester was the longest weeks of my life like mm. literally i get the new kind of week every friday and i get like the notification like your baby is now i up. wondered how you kept a- track i forget mm-hmm. that you get oh, yeah. newsletters mm-hmm. and everything yep, like that yep. yeah. I use the flow app F-L-O, okay. the flow app mm-hmm. uh and so she's a corn this week a husk of corn that is the size that she is at uh and so it's been going pretty pretty like at the very beginning it was really slow like i say i was spotting all the time so just like 
every day was yeah. just the longest day possible. Yes. Now I'm like checking them off and we're moving kind of <laughs> like in a marathon. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, I'm like past the halfway point, but like, she's good. But I know that that wall is <laughs> on the horizon. Like I can just see it and I can slowly feel my body little, just little things like just I'm like grunting a little bit more, walking a little funny, taking my time getting out of the chair. Like it's not anything monumental. And I'm definitely not like I, I know and plenty of people say this to me and I always roll my eyes when people say this. They're like, oh, honey, just wait. It's going to get worse. Like I know, but that doesn't mean that I don't feel a certain way right now, you know, so I know it's going to get worse, but. I'm starting to feel those little changes that are like, oh, yeah, I'm hitting that mile 18 to 26, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, in a marathon. Like the point two is yeah. quite nice. But, 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 but I'm like at that point before the last turn. I can't yeah. see the finish yeah. line. Oh, most the certainly stretch, you can't. The stretch between the, the, the wall and I can't see the finish line. <laughs> I know I'm about to be in that stretch for sure. You for sure, sure. Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, one good thing is that so many problems that you that a person so many discomforts or you know the things that make you grunt when you stand up, those things automatically go away as soon as you That's get right here, which is insane. That, that yeah, I had such dreadful sciatic pain with my first pregnancy, yeah. so that if I you know was laying on the couch watching a movie with my husband or something, it was an ordeal to get up, and the pain was excruciating. Oh. But then. I mean, even during labor, when she dropped a little bit, yeah. I was like, oh, that, that already which is, feels better. Which is kind of crazy to me to think about because it's not like your body just goes back. Like, right. It's not like your uterus suddenly shrinks, shrinks down. Yeah. It's not like you lose all of the weight. Like to yeah, me, and your ligaments don't go back. And all right. That. Yeah. Like, it's just weird to me that the baby's like, cool. Or the baby, the body's like, cool. OK, well, I guess we can go back to normal now. Like, why can't the uterus do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why can't it be like because it literally what did i hear someone say the other day that it's going from the size of a lemon to a cantaloupe i mean literally like the size like i saw a picture of it of the size of the uterus in like at full term mm -hmm. it's massive i mean i'm talking <laughs> like a really I mean, it's like a watermelon. Yes, like, literally, it's huge. Yes. <laughs> it's huge. Fair. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and so it's just like, it takes time for it to go the opposite direction. Yeah. And I'm like, how is it that your sciatica knew that we were done? Why yes. can't the uterus also say, time to go back to well, one size? Like, that would be nice. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. yeah Do you yeah, feel yeah. like that kind of stuff was worse with the twins? No, surprisingly, it, yeah, no, it, I was afraid of that. It, it wasn't, I did not have that same sciatic pain. Yes, yes. But I had a lot of spotting with my twin pregnancy. And so I had to stop running much sooner. So yeah. I don't know if the running with, with uh, my first pregnancy, I ran, I think up until about um, 30, 31 weeks. Oh, wow. maybe. Yeah. 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 yeah yes. Multiple is hard. It sure is. I didn't realize that multiples are always considered high risk no matter what. Oh, most definitely. I didn't realize that. Yes. Well, that there's... It's, I mean, it, it, logically, yeah. it makes sense. But I didn't realize that, that was actually like a firm in the ground. Like, right. yeah, that like, right, right, like we're considering this high risk. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, all right. Well, let's jump into some more TMI topics. Yeah, I'm here for um, it. We're in a small room and um, it all smells good. But you tell me <laughs> that there are... <laughs> I put the odor on today. Uh, the odor... Sarah, that is coming out of my body is unlike anything I've experienced before. And I include like puberty in that. Like, I don't understand how overnight I, I just I, it's it's disgusting. Like even like I have this. My husband gave me this like it's you, know, you remember Snuggies? <laughs> Yes. So it's kind of like that, but it's like a real, but it's an actual hoodie. It's a okay. blanket on the inside. It's a hoodie and it probably goes down. It's past my knees. Oh. Like it's huge. So it's kind of oh. like a blanket hoodie, I think is what yeah, it's called. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And I wear this thing every Teens, day. Teens yeah. Happen. Yeah. Like you're correct. Yeah. It's just like the weirdest blanket hoodie thing. But like I like hoodies and I like blankets. So he figured it was like a good <laughs> Christmas gift. Okay. But like I maybe wear it for like a week every day. And it's just like I'm wearing it. Think about it. Post dinner. Post shower, you just put something on yeah. for a couple hours before you go to sleep. That's not something you need to wash all the time. 
I had to wash it because it smells so bad. Like, I literally put my head in it to get my head through the hood. And I'm like, this thing smells so bad. And I wear it for like one hour a day post shower. Like, I'm not sweating in it. Like, the odor is just insane because I stopped using deodorant a long time ago. Yeah, same. And then... You know, you stop using it and it smells really bad. And then you kind of get over a hump where you're just like, oh, I just don't smell at all anymore. Yes. Like, it just, it's kind of amazing. And I was immediately like, no, I need to wear deodorant again. And I'd wear like a, a, a deodorant that doesn't have aluminum and all the things that, like, mm-hmm. you know, you're supposed to avoid during pregnancy if you listen to all of the people who scare you into everything is off for your baby. Yes, yes. But it's still like it's not it's not enough. Like I need to carry it in my purse. Like it's just even my husband. Wet wipe my husband my husband is the sweetest, kindest, and he's like, Girl, you smell. <laughs> like you literally smell so bad. And I'm constantly just just by a free moment in the day, oh maybe I should go wash my underpits. Like <laughs> it's and they're not like they're sweating or anything. Wow. They just smell all the time. Wow. I smell bad. Wow. I got to say that I'm glad we have honed in on where the smell is emanating from. It's just from. the end because when you Because when you said, oh, yeah, I want to talk about how I smell bad. I'm like, are we talking, you know, crotch? We talking <laughs> nope. gas? We just, <laughs> no, that, no. I mean, maybe, maybe my crotch smells, when I, but my nose is too far. I mean, actually with the pregnancy yeah. nose, I'd be able to smell it. Yeah. No, it's just the armpits. Wow. 100% just the armpits. From as, as much as my husband would tell me otherwise <laughs> if it was anything else. But uh, no, it's 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 like insane. Oh, I oh smell so bad. It's, and it's like embarrassing. You know what I mean? But the good thing is that I'm a fitness trainer and I kind of just wear fitness clothes all the time. So like maybe people think that I just work out. Yes. Like, oh, she just came out from the gym. Look at her. Yeah. Look at her doing real things. Or, or they, they, they may, might think it's not you. That it might be, you know, Mitch no, over it's at me. the punching bag. That's you know? true, but it's definitely yeah. me, Sarah. It's <laughs> like I'm just like a walking, smelly. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Uh, and then the other thing that has happened, obviously, my boobs have gotten bigger and they continue to grow. And like they itch, which is normal, right? Like the skin, as the skin stretches, it itches. But I itch right around the nipple. Like, it's like a circle. Like, you know, oh, like, yes. you talk about... So I j- made the joke that, like, they there's, like, the ring of fire during actual labor. You <laughs> yes, know what I mean? Yes. And I'm like, this is my ring of fire pre-labor, <laughs> which is just this sh- d- the amount of itch right where the nipple and the skin meet. Yeah. I'm, like, scratching. Like, I was like, you got to stop. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, I'm just, like, scratching my boobs. And he's like, oh, my God, you've got to stop. Like, and nothing, like, I've tried the lotions and all the things, and it just itches so bad. And then this is kind of related, and also a uh, ring of fire, uh, the other ring of fire is my Butthole has itched. You and your butthole, Brittany. I swear. <laughs> I know that's way too high, but it's like nothing down there. It's like everything down there is fine and normal. And it's just like, why is it that my nipples and my, not my butt, to be clear, is the like it's, like, it's so odd. Like, just my husband's like, what's happening to you? He's like, you hear of women's skin itching, and yeah. oh, I've got to put the lotion on my belly, the stretch marks. Not Brittany. It's these really specific like areas that like you can't. And the butthole one, I like don't. You obviously don't want to itch it. It's not something that like I enjoy. Like scratching your boob is a little like whatever. You know, you can do it in your car when no one's looking at you. But the butthole, it makes you uncomfortable. Even if you scratch it while you're just by yourself, it feels uncomfortable. Like I get a little embarrassed doing it just by myself, let alone, you know. I think and I was gonna say at first when you said that, I thought, oh, we need to get you some type of tool, like not a pipe cleaner, so something. Much, but something. But then I thought, oh, you'd have to wash that all the, all time. the time. And then what it, you're not gonna put that in your dishwasher no you just gotta do it while you got underwear on and then you, the underwear just goes in the the it's so weird literally last night i was getting in the bed and i was like rob my butthole itches so bad 
<laughs> he goes like, why? And the thing is, is it like I'm hydrating like a fiend? Like, why is it so dry? <laughs> like, just it's, like, I, I didn't sign up for this. I did not I sign like, up I'll for do, my lovely, like, I'll beautiful do anything life. for you, but I will not scratch your butthole. That's not happening. <laughs> like, that's not happening at all. It's the weirdest. Those two things have just been like, like the general itchiness and uncomfortableness, and sure, my stomach's growing and whatever. All that understood. I don't understand how it can itch so badly in those specific spaces. I also wonder if there's someone out there listening who has had that same problem and then discovered a product that really worked well, for them, like a, a lotion DM or a cream. Me. Seriously, that's At what I Brittany mean. Williams. They, yeah. <laughs> yeah, one T. In that yes, yes, correct. DM, send a carrier pigeon, yeah. a smoke signal. I don't care what it is. You let me know. Right. But I just like, well, it's funny because, and we've talked about this on the podcast, how I chafed. Yes, uh, but that was, that was about the butt cheeks. Oh, that was about cheeks. Certainly. Okay, I'm sorry for. This is for... the whole. This is <laughs> like it's, I don't think about things that far off. This is like it's just it's so odd, and I'm sure things are just going to get worse. But it's just like yeah, and I, the whole boobs getting bigger thing though. I like, and I I've tried to Google this, and I haven't really gotten a, a clear answer. So if you're a doctor, you can let me know. Like, why do they have to get this big this early? Like, I understand, you know, that, like uh-huh. what we've got to get to and what we've yeah. got to be able to do. I know what the end goal here is. Yeah. But why are my boobs so painful at like six weeks? Right. Like, what? Just chill out. This is a marathon, not a sprint. There's no need to go out of the gut, out of the gate this fast. And anyone who runs marathon knows, like, tip number one you give people is don't go too fast too early. That's my feel about these boobs. Slow down. You don't need to double in size by week 10, you know? But I Googled it. I did Google it. And I think that they said, if you had to, you could start breastfeeding. I think I don't. And this is let's be clear here. I probably looked this up on Wikipedia. This isn't like <laughs> this some is not, scientific yes. whatever. But I think it said like 14 or 15 weeks. You actually could breastfeed if you needed to. Like if mm. a baby latched on, mm-hmm. like you could like produce if you needed to. Yeah. So I'm sure there's some evolutionary reason. Sure. It just feels a, like 14, 15 little preemptive. feels a little a little premature and yes. this is someone this is someone coming from who I was a premature baby so I do <laughs> I do want the ability to breastfeed earlier than 40 weeks because yes. there are certainly babies who are born early for sure but like the amount of pain that I was in week eight it just seems a little lop- lopsided. Yeah, I love like, that you, that you <laughs> say that you were premature. So you're like, I am of your. I get it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if you had a premature baby, I, I mean, I don't remember it the yeah. top phase of my life, but I know that, like, I'm thankful for like my mom's ability to breastfeed. Even though I think she bottle fed me, but she pumped. Uh-huh. Like, I'm appreciative of her boobs yes. and their space at 32 weeks, which is when I was born. Like, I appreciate it. You know what I mean? But like. 32 weeks is different than eight. Yes, it sure is. It's just just like, why do they need to be this aggressive this soon? (laughs) And then I was even Googling the other night, like, what physically is it that's in the breast Uh that's getting bigger? Because it's not like I'm just full of milk and that milk is just going to sit there for the next three months. (laughs) And it's like, it's just just the duct itself getting bigger. But I just want to know more. Like, Mm. what do you mean it's getting bigger? Like, Mm. what? How? Like, what is it? I have yeah. so many questions. Well, because I got to say, so I uh, exclusively breastfed our twins for one year. It's Which is one of my greatest. Literally, round of applause for Sarah. Yeah. So it, it is um, that and writing for the New York Times are my two greatest accomplishments in life, I think. <laughs> and, um, and maybe the children yes. themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Like healthy, <laughs> kind <laughs> children. So, but, you know, I mean, I am not well endowed and you know i just remember the doctor being and the lactation expert being like it doesn't matter the size that they are like you can produce a lot of milk amazing without having just enormous jugs yeah yeah because like i mean the actual normal boob is literally just fat a lot of other things (laughs) yeah this this is a very specific part of the of the breast that is actually growing yes and functional not just you know (laughs) excess yeah uh but no i was telling ashley who's the owner of refinery the gym that sarah and i work out at i was like so i'm a 34b normally Mm -hmm. i straight average as someone who worked in the in the athletic fitness retail space i know that 34b just that's about average yep yep and I used to work at a bra store too. <laughs> and I have to guess now maybe I'm like 
uh, C, mm-hmm. uh, right? But I'm like, I don't even think that I'm a- the actual average. I don't know what the actual average bra size is, mm-hmm. but I don't even know if I'm there yet. Mm-hmm. And I feel ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how do some women like bravo to anyone listening to this who's got like D and up yeah. and you're a runner. Yes. Truly, I am. I applaud you. And I have so much yes. respect for you yes. because like even just sitting feels different and yes. i'm literally talking about i'm going from a b to c and i know i'm my, mm-hmm. I have, my milk hasn't even come in yet right yep. your girl's got some time to go yeah and i just it just is amazing to me how it impacts your life well i gotta tell you that vividly brings back a memory that i've shared before on the another mother Runner podcast which is i remember my first postpartum run and it i had had some tearing mm-hmm. and so i thought oh gosh my stitches are going to hurt mm. Didn't even feel down there, just running with two milk-filled breasts. And I was like, how do larger-breasted women do this? And coming down the hill Mm -hmm. that is near here from the from the Alameda Ridge. I know the one. And I just had to reach up and and hold it. Hold them. Yes. Hold them. So they wouldn't bounce up and down. I do that now. And (laughs) I'm literally like I said, my my little things aren't that big. And I'm literally holding it. I've got good bras. Yeah. I invest in yeah. good quality workout apparel because it's yes. my life. Yeah. But it's still like, yeah. oh, I do not get it. And then I'm sure once I hopefully am able to breastfeed and the you hear the horror stories of how like the one breast is way bigger than the mm-hmm, other mm-hmm. and all that. I'm sure it's going to be, we'll have to do a part two of this we TMI. Will. We will. Like, we will. I know. Postpartum Brittany and all of the craziness that she gets herself into. But it's that to me, just a level of respect I have is. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. And and so you alluded to exercising after the baby. I mean, mm-hmm. do you, it's a little bit silly to ask you're 22 weeks, but have you started to think about <laughs> oh, for what sure. you're playing Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, so I think what's, you know, the number one thing is always to wait for your doctor's approval. And yes. a lot of the plan will determine whether I have a vaginal birth or have a C-section. Obviously mm-hmm. the recovery for those two things uh, are two different periods of time, but generally the guidelines is six weeks. And I, unfortunately, what happens, at least here in the United States, is a doctor just gives you stance of approval. Okay, good luck. Mm-hmm. And you hope you have a good doctor who gives you some sort of roadmap more than just, yeah, get back to it. I plan on doing some ab rehab, some breath, a lot of breath work mm-hmm. before oh, wow. I start. There's actually a program that I highly recommend to anyone who is pregnant. I don't get any kickbacks from this. It's literally <laughs> called Ab Rehab by Nancy Anderson. I don't love 100% of what Nancy does and her messaging sometimes, mm-hmm. but I think that program in of itself is one of the best. I've literally bought it and done it, even wow. though I'm not, not the whole thing, but just I'm obviously have never been postpartum just because a lot of people ask me and I want to yeah. know. And so I've tried out a couple of different things and I just think it's the most comprehensive. Mm-hmm. And I think what it makes you realize is that there are things you can do day one Mm. and it's all breath work i'm Mm. talking you're laying on your bed how are you breathing Mm -hmm. relearning how to breathe properly using Mm -hmm. using your diaphragm using your pelvic floor there's something that you can do day one and i think that that's that six weeks doesn't have to be it can be lay down and not worry about it but for someone like me who i i don't want to say i need to bounce back Mm -hmm. but I do have a physical nature of my job. I do want to be able to get back to training people and to working out again because mm-hmm. that's like how I make money. Mm-hmm. So there is this sense of I need to do it. Yeah. Um. So for me, I'm going to focus on breath work during that first six weeks, mm. assuming I can get back. I get the stamp of approval from my doctor. Really, my biggest focus at the beginning is just going to be getting my core to function again, mm. working with a pelvic floor physical therapist, whether I have a healthy normal pregnancy or not and i think Mm -hmm. that's what's key is that i think a lot of people are like yeah i didn't have any tearing or yeah all this happened so i can Mm -hmm. just get back to it i still would start slow i still would focus on your core function first then i think there's a lot of things that i want to be able to do before i add in running so uh strength training and bar will come first so being able to do like single leg exercises like if you Mm -hmm. can't balance on one leg if you can't shift weight without having pelvic pain Mm -hmm. uh that's all running is all running is is literally (laughs) shifting weight from one foot to the next so if you can't do that in 
in a controlled space, uh, you're definitely not ready to do it out on a run. Right. So running will be the last thing that I add back in, but I, I definitely have a plan of kind of a ladder step that I plan on taking. What I don't want to have is dates for that. I don't want to say in six weeks, I'm going to do this and six, another six weeks, I'm going to do this. It's more of here, are the steps I'm going to take, mm-hmm. but one phase of that plan might be a month. It might be mm-hmm. two days. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I'm going to leave up to the universe to figure out, but that's kind of my plan. Mm, all right. And who knows that plan might go sideways, but <laughs> right, <laughs> at least I can pretend like that's what my plan is going to be right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, thank you for oversharing with us. Anytime. <laughs> you know that is the my favorite thing. It's your love language. I, it really, honestly, it really is. I tell people all the time that I don't know what I wouldn't tell, other than like my social security number. Like, I, <laughs> I, I'm just like, I don't know what I wouldn't tell a stranger. Like, I don't think I actually have a limit of like, oh, that's too embarrassing. I'm not going to tell them that. Like, nah, I, I think I'd tell you. That's why we love you, Brittany. <laughs> Thank you. I, thanks for letting me overshare. Some people don't like it. And that's why I think we get along. Yes, I it do. is. It mm-hmm. is. Big time. <sighs> Fabulous. All right. Well, Brittany was at our last retreat. Unfortunately, she will not be with us in Redmond, Oregon, which is June 9th through 12th, or our Hilton Head Island, November 3rd through 6th. Those are our two retreats this year, and we have a new development possibly for the Redmond one that I'm looking into hiring a pickleball pro to give a group lesson during the weekend. I found out there's a park less than a mile walk from our host hotel that has eight gorgeous pickleball courts so have to seize the moment so now there hopefully will be pickleball added into our redmond retreat in june so you got to join us there are just a few spots left and we have to book that hotel so if you have been thinking about it now is the time to act particularly because we you can use a firm it's a payment plan that breaks up the payments into more manageable chunks so head on over to anothermotherrunner.com click on events for all the details and to register for our redmond oregon retreat or our Hilton Head Island one in November. Our podcast day was produced in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Medora from Fire on the Bluff. Hey folks, thanks for sticking around. Starting next month, February 2023, we're giving you a little extra at the end of the episode that airs on the last Friday of every month. It's called Miles of Books, and it's a casual 15 to 20 minute conversation between me, Sarah Bowen Shea, and Liz Waterstrott. Liz, as many of you know, is an occasional co-host for this podcast, a train like a mother club coach, an accomplished triathlete and gravel bike rider, a mom of three, and a prolific reader of nonfiction. It's this last bit of her bio that we're honing in on in this monthly conversation. The seed for this monthly bonus feature was two Instagram posts on Liz's account, One was a pile of books in which she confessed her 2022 goal was to read one nonfiction book per week. In 2021, her goal was to read 100 nonfiction books. The books run the gamut, including Do Hard Things by Steve Magnus, Getting Grit by Caroline Adams Miller, and The Extended Mind by Annie Murphy-Paul. Coach Liz shares with her athletes what she gleans from the books, so I asked her if she'd share some of that red wisdom with us. I'll also apply her for actionable ways to help everyone build a reading habit, if that's of interest to you. As I said, Liz and I will be in your ear at the end of the episode that airs on the last Friday of every month, starting on February 24th. To give you a little taste, I have Liz right here. So thanks for sharing with us, Liz. I'm really excited for our new endeavor. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. Good, 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 good. So give us a sampling of what we'll be talking about next month. What books are in your next up stack? Well, I'm hoping that we will talk about a great book named Quit by Annie Duke, who I understand is possibly your neighbor or was your neighbor. (laughs) Yes, she was. Yes, she was. (laughs) Uh, So she wrote a wonderful book about quitting, which is something that most people don't really think about. We think about sticking to it. And she is suggesting that there are times when it's better off that you quit. Mm, All right. All right. And what's another one you got there? On the opposite end of the spectrum, we will talk about a book called Get It Done. So this is about staying motivated and sticking to things until they're done. And this one is by Ayelet Fishbach. Mm, All right. So I understand maybe you've read that one already. So is there a standout nugget from that book you'd like to share with us? From Get It Done? 
Yeah. Well, I think one of the most interesting things I read was support for a community like Another Mother Runner, Mm -hmm. where she talked about the power of sharing your goal with a community, um, even by way of just having a picture of a person or your community nearby when you're trying to tackle your goal to help you stay on task and stay motivated. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, great. Great. Well, thanks to you, Liz. I'm really excited, as I already said, about this pet project of ours. And listeners, remember to join us for the debut episode of Miles of Books on Friday, February 24th. It'll be at the end of the Another Mother Runner podcast that airs that day and at the end of every final Friday of the month episode. We appreciate you listening. <laughs>